Hi everyone, this is Nature Tripping. I'm Cathy. And I'm Jo. Welcome to our podcast. It's about going outside to experience the wildlife that's all around us. We're going to be chatting about where we are and what's happening. But sometimes we'll just leave the microphones recording so we can spend some time just listening. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 10 of Nature Tripping. We're back this time to talk about birdsong again. Yeah, we're going to talk about some warblers. Uh, I think in previous episodes we've encountered the chiffchaff and today we're going to be talking about the willow warbler and the blackcap. If you've been listening to Nature Tripping along the course of the previous few months, you'll know that in episodes 6 and 7 we cover some of the common species that you find in the UK and how to recognise them. So as Cathy says, today we're specifically looking at some warblers, but we're also going to look at a little bird that I've learnt the song of, or the sounds of. Like for the first time this year? Yeah, over the spring, Um, and that's the long-tailed tit. So why are we going to look at warblers, Cathy? Good question. Um, Warblers are birds which spend the winter in warmer places and return to the UK to breed. Well, they arrive back in the spring and um, spend the summer here before going back to hot places. They're called warblers because they do do a lot of singing. Warbling. Yeah. Actually, you first notice that they're back because of the addition of their song to the soundscape. So you've kind of got used to listening to robins and wrens and blackbirds in the earlier part of the spring. And then a whole new wave of complexity Mm. arrives with all these warbling yeah all these new sounds new sounds some of which as we'll see in this podcast are quite complex sounds aren't they i mean one of the first to arrive is the chiff chapper we talked about that in another episode well let's look now at the first one that we're going to look at today the willow warbler So it's got a fairly fixed pattern of notes. A sort of descending pattern. Yeah, descending run of notes, descending in pitch. And it's always pretty much the same. And kind of peters out at the end. Yeah. And it'll carry on for a while sometimes, won't it? Like Mm. this one. So this one was in some land which had 
mature trees and a bit of scrub and some fields mm. not far from the town centre. Right, because that, that's the sort of habitat they like. They kind of like open woodland um, or even young woodland or scrub. So parks and gardens mimic that habitat quite well. How common are they? Well, they're actually very widespread throughout Britain and Ireland. And in, in fact, in Scandinavia, they're the, the most common bird in the summer months. They're here because they um, eat insects. So that's why they're kind of here for the summer and not here in the winter, or we haven't really got many insects about. And they're especially common in the north and the west of the British Isles. I'm just looking at a British Trust for Ornithology pie chart. Mm. It's the number of birds in the UK, millions of breeding pairs, that is. So the most common is the wren. The wren, there's 11 million breeding pairs in the UK. It's 2.3 million breeding pairs of willow warblers. That is a lot, isn't it? They seem to be the most common warbler. Mm. They're more common than the chiffchaff. Mm. 1.75 million breeding pairs of chiffchaffs. I read recently that that their numbers in total are reducing in the past 30 years, especially in lowland Britain. They're actually getting more common in uh, Scotland and Ireland. So there's a sort of a northwest move in their distribution. Interesting. And the frequency, it's probably due to climate change. Mm. You've got a good chance, especially if you're in the northwest, of starting to hear this like descending little riff um, around about late April. Yeah, this this tiny little bird does a huge migration, it migrates a huge distance. I mean, they spend the winters in southern Africa or tropical Africa, well below the Sahara, and then they fly all the way back to the British Isles and northwestern Europe. One thing that I suppose is true for many warblers is they don't look very special, do they? No, they're a bit um, <laughs> nondescript. I mean, willow warblers are sort of greenish-brown, small, greenish-brown, nondescript birds. Yeah, so you're much, much, much more likely to hear them than you are to be able to spot them. And when you do spot them, it's kind of a bit disappointing. Another little brown bird. Yeah. So we've got some other recordings of willow warblers that I've taken um, with other species mm. and also... Um, willow warblers singing together because that's something that seems to happen quite often as well you get a few of them in the same area and they're all doing their little descending riffs at once so um let's listen to the willow warbler first of all with a chaffinch see if we can like pick out the willow warbler from the chaffinch
So that was mainly willow warbler. Yeah, it was. I think that was quite difficult because that particular willow warbler had quite an interesting. It didn't just go straight down. It had a little bit of a, a rising pitch in the middle. But anyway, the willow warbler started, and then the chaffinch yeah. came in, and then they were sort of alternating. Yeah. So I think the um, willow warbler is less rhythmic. And like you said, it kind of peters out, doesn't yeah. it? It kind Whereas, of loses its energy. Whereas the chip- chaffinch is going... Yeah, it finishes with a bit of a strident flourish. Yeah. The next one I've got is willow warbler with a wren. So remember, if you listen to episode six of Nature Tripping, we did the wren. And the key distinguishing feature that helps me anyway um, know that it's a wren is its trill. So that's actually quite tricky, don't you think? Mm. At um, several points, they were overlaying on top of each other. And they're quite similar in pitch range. Mm. The wren started, didn't it? And then it was yeah. willow warbler. Yeah. And there was some overlap. Yeah. I think mainly they seem to alternate. Maybe they're aware of each other and trying to use the sound space. Yeah, carve out their own little space. Yeah. Do you think they're accommodating? To some extent, but not entirely. Mm. The wren have got the upper hand because there's uh, uh, many, many, many more breeding pairs of wrens than there are willow warblers. Absolutely. <laughs> They're more versatile and they will live in absolutely any habitat, though. They're not picky. Right, OK. So we're going to leave the willow warblers with a recording of um, willow warblers. This was a kind of kind of wooded area where I don't think the woodland was that mature. Mm. Um wood and grassland and there were a number of willow warblers in the same vicinity.
So there were some willow warblers, but there was also a slightly louder voice in there. Small spurts of rapid notes, um, like two or three occasions in that recording. And that was the next bird we're going to talk about, which is the black cap. Okay, this is um, also a really common warbler that um, comes here for the summer in Britain. They migrate from southern Europe. They don't they don't travel so far, so they spend the winter in southern Europe and North Africa. They're the fifteenth most common. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the, <laughs> I'm looking at the pie chart again. It says black cap, uh, one point six five million. Breeding pairs in the UK. Mm. So, although we know them as a bird that breeds in Britain and winters down south, actually, more and more of them are staying here and spending the winter here as well. So, becoming residents effectively, especially in the south and west. I think that's another effect of climate change. So, it's fair to say, with there being so many, that if you're in the right kind of habitat, Mm. you're quite likely to be able to hear a black cap. Yeah, and their sort of preferred habitat is a bit different from willow warbler. They like shady woodland with dense undergrowth. And what I found is sometimes they uh, sing in like short bursts, like those short snippets. Mm. And other times they continue on their warbling for like a minute or, f- or two. Well, several minutes with, with tiny short breaks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the short snippets are characterised, I think, by really fast, rapid notes, all a bit all over the place. They're a bit um, chaotic in their singing, aren't they? Mm. It's a bit kind of manic. Let's have a listen. So it's a very lively sound, isn't it? It's quite, I think of it as quite liquidy and quite fluty, but there's also a lot of other textures in there, chirrups and... It started with a... Yeah, yeah. On that occasion. And sometimes it's really high-pitched and sometimes there are lower-pitched notes. And it's very energetic. There's nothing mellow. It's not like the wistful robin, is it? Oh, no. Where the robin has got that kind of complexity to its song, yeah. and it's kind of all over the place and, and yeah. sings in these short bursts. But it hasn't got any of the wistfulness. No, and of it's the more, robin. it's kind of less scratchy and more fluted than a dunnock. 
and there's no trill like the wren. Yeah. So I think it's one of those where you have to get used to hear you, you hear it and it's quite prominent. Really good to just listen to it and get familiar with it and then it becomes ingrained. Mm. Familiar. And should unmistakable. We listen, should we listen to um, it in full swing? So mm. this is a little recording from about six o'clock in the morning, maybe. Mm. So past uh, the dawn chorus time. Yeah. Um, and, and it does do this throughout the day occasionally, doesn't it? Yeah. It I doesn't think... seem to have any pattern to when it sings, especially more than other times. Mm. It's really great to hear it singing virtually continuously for several minutes like that. If you hear a black cap singing, it's worth looking for the source of the sound because um, black caps are one of the few warblers which are distinctive in their appearance. I mean, it's called black cap because it's got the, the sort of top part of its head is black. But it is an example of sexism in bird naming, isn't it? Because 50% of this species have actually got a brown head. Females yeah. have a brown cap. Maybe we should start just calling them brown caps, Cathy, and not blackbirds, brown birds. <laughs> yeah, because 50% of that species are brown, aren't yeah. they? Ch sort of dark chocolatey brown. People will say, ah, oh, no, but it's only the black-capped ones that sing. True. But they're only singing for part of the year. And they're only singing to attract a brown cat. Well, to, yeah, to make themselves more attractive to the brown cats. We need the brown <laughs> caps to produce the future generations, don't we? Anyway. Undermining the patriarchy should, yeah. one bird at a time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we should, we should move on. Um, oh, I know what I wanted to say as well. When you see them, mm. or sometimes when you're looking for a bird because of the, the way the sunlight's falling, you can only see its silhouette. Mm. 
and if you're trying to pick out what kind of bird it is. With the warblers, it's worth noting they're mainly insectivores, aren't they? So they eat insects, and that means that they've got different shaped beaks from birds that eat seeds or birds that are, I guess, omnivores. Mm. And they've got very pointed beaks. It's really distinctive, isn't it? Yeah. So all the warblers have got little pointed beaks. So if you're looking up at... In a tree for a bird and you can only really see its outline, looking at the, the shape of the beak might be one mm. way for you to kind of narrow down your choices as, as to what it is. It could be, if it's got a pointed beak, it could be one of the warblers. There's another issue, Joe, on the subject of warblers. Um, in this era, we've really only got chiffchuffs, willow warblers and blackcaps. So um, it does make identification a bit easier here. I know other areas of the country, especially down south, there's a huge variety of other warblers to get to grips with, like garden warblers, white throats, and it can be quite difficult to disentangle the song. But at least we're making a start with um, the black cap song. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just to finish off on the black cap, let's listen to. Another one of these kind of listening exercises to try and distinguish between different birds because you're going to hear black caps in amongst everything else. So this next recording starts with a black bird, which we had we had a look at the song of the blackbird in episode seven of Nature Tripping. Then there's a black cap that comes in and they kind of duet together almost. Mm. And then um, you'll also hear in the background some willow warblers, their descending little riff, and possibly some other birds too. Okay, now we're going to move on to listen to the long-tail tit. This is um, a tiny little black and white bird with a bit of pink on it, with a very long tail. And normally we're used to seeing them moving around in small flocks. And interestingly, we call it a long-tail tit, but it's not from the same family as all the other tits, like the blue tit, the cold tit, the great tit, is it? No. It says in my bird book that it's a member of the same larger grouping, which also includes warblers, swallows and larks. 
Oh, there you go. Hmm. Anyway, we're used to seeing them move around in woods and parks in in small groups in the winter and early spring. And often it's the sound of the flock moving about that alerts the bird watcher to their presence. So there was a robin in there as well, wasn't there, um, singing away? Yeah, check out um, episode six of Nature Tripping for <laughs> the robin. Anyway, the long-tailed it was, um, group was making a variety of calls. But, um, Joe, you've been analysing, you've, you've had a very different experience of long-tailed tits this spring, haven't you? Well, I'd say it was one of those birds that, I didn't have any idea what it sounded like. So a bit like in a previous podcast when I was talking about the goldfinch. Mm -hmm. I suppose it's one of those birds where I've come to understand through recognising its call that there are quite a lot of long-tailed tits around Mm. and you can hear them often before you see them. And now that I know what they sound like... um, that then triggers me to think, oh, right, where are they? So you, I can't you can see them. You can pick them out amongst the yeah. variety of birds that are making sounds. And I know in that um, recording we just played, there's a very high-pitched, yeah. very high-pitched yeah. note. But for me, it was the the rapid little spurt, like a spurt of bullets that mm. comes out. That was the sound that I learnt mm. to be the sound of a long-tailed tick. And then I came back and spoke to you and you had a different experience. Yeah, I think what we realised, I was much more used to hearing... Well, you were tuned in to this high-pitched Well, to the mixture, to to the sound of the group, which is a mixture of these high-pitched calls as well as the chirps, whereas you've focused on the individual birds and listening to their sounds that they're making alone or in a pair. And here's a couple um, of long-tailed tits and they were just in the bushes down by the sports centre.
I think I'd heard that sound more like a cheap, but I think you've made me understand that it's a, a series of... It's a drill. Distinct. Short drill of notes, yeah. Speed it up. Yeah. It would probably sound quite um, interesting if you slowed it right down. Mm. Yeah, so long-tailed tits are not warblers. Um, <laughs> we just decided to put them in this episode because of the great recordings Joe's made. They live here all the year round, so they're residents. And they don't even move much around the country or anything. They're, they're, they're described as sedentary, i.e. they just sort of they just live in one place. But you do see them moving around in flocks in the neighbourhood or in the woods. They like um, deciduous woods and scrub and hedgerow. And they're actually increasing in numbers. Hooray. Yeah, because probably due to mild winters, milder winters. And what do they eat? Have they got insectivorous beaks? I think they're omnivorous. I know they eat peanuts because I've seen them on the bird feeder. Yeah, and I think they eat insects and larvae in the main, you know, in, in, in the spring and summer whenever they can get them. So we'll finish off the long-tailed tit with some sounds of the long-tailed tit in context. So this is quite a noisy recording. It starts with a chiff-chaff, uh, episode seven for the chiff-chaff. And there are other birds in there as well. And it was one of those occasions which I've just described where I was walking through this piece of rough ground mm. on the edge of town. Mm. And I heard that little drilling noise, chirrup, whatever you want to call it, the sound that I can't imitate um and that made that, you realize they were there they were there yeah. and then i saw them flying around in a big bramble bush they're really lovely birds to see aren't they as well they're very fun as well yeah they, they look like they're a bit dirty don't they oh i think they're a bit dressed up do you oh, i think they look a bit shabby myself like shabby chic mm. <laughs> that's my idea of dressing up <laughs> Cathy, I think that's quite a good example of um, once you've tuned into a sound, mm. like once you've tuned in to the bird, you can hold on to it, can't you? No matter yeah. what is going on around you, like the yeah. crows and another chiff-chaff and a blackbird and maybe a robin in there. Mm. But you focus in on the little sound that you're interested in and you can keep hold of it. Mm. Yeah, it's sort of like you can feel the effort required to hang on to it onto that particular sound yeah okay well that's it for now we're going to leave you with a field recording of a black cap in the woods in the early evening yeah um thanks very much for listening to this episode um and if you've enjoyed it and you like more episodes of nature tripping 
then please subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, and um, tell your friends about it and encourage them to listen. And maybe also leave us a review or rating on one of the podcast providers. Okay, see ya. Bye.